a safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Coming up after 10.15, we talk about the impact of ADHD on a couple's relationship and sex life. And yes, there is an impact. You'd be surprised at the uh, statistics. The divorce rate is much higher than the 40 or 50% that we banter around for uh, couples that are non-ADHD, but uh, so the divorce rate is much higher. We'll uh, get an explanation for that and see how we can improve the situation. We're going to talk to uh, Ari Tuckman, who just wrote a book called ADHD After Dark, Better Sex Life, Better Relationship. And this is an absolutely necessary book because very, unfortunately, very few books uh, address the issue of sexual relationships, especially when it comes to ADHD. So that's after 10.15. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with passion at 514-800. Before I get into answering your questions, I want to remind you we've got uh, a week of... uh, a week of days, basically, this week, where you can uh, send in your texts and possibly win an opportunity to join our live broadcast and party. We are celebrating 20 years on the air next Friday evening. We're going to have a big party. It's a VIP event, meaning that space is limited, so uh, only lucky listeners will be able to uh, to attend, uh, but all you have to do is send in a text, tell me why you'd like to go, and your name goes into uh, into a draw. It's going to be a really fun-packed evening from 8.30 to 11.30, in between there, of course, between 10 and 11, we'll do uh, our broadcast in front of a studio audience, and the audience will be able to ask me questions, and Paris Mensur will be interviewing me, so it'll be a little bit different, Uh, and any questions you want to ask, you can go ahead. They can be questions about me, about the show, about even if you have a specific question about sex, that's fine too. Uh, Our regular contributors will all be there so you can interact with them. We're going to have performances by Stephen Voice and Melissa Plett and Dolly Blonde. Dan Laxer will be emceeing the whole event. We'll play Dirty Minds as well to win some prizes. Plus, uh, there's raffle prizes too. And everybody gets a gift bag. Uh, our sponsors for the event, Cook and Date, is organizing a beautiful dessert reception. Les Delices Lafrenet are providing a, a beautiful, sexy cake. We asked them to make us a sexy cake. We'll see what that is. Uh, Eric Waugh will be doing uh, a painting, a live painting on site. He's a world-renowned artist. Uh, The whole place will be decorated by poppin' balloons. And we have so many prizes to give away, gift certificates and sex toys and all kinds of prize packages. So uh, it's going to be a very exciting time. 514-800. Text in. When you text me, please provide your name as well. Uh, Tell me why you'd like to be there. Tell me a little bit about your history with passion or how long you've been listening. Give me a little something to um to share all right my question is regarding semen retention i have read that when a man ejaculates there can be negative emotional and physical effects as a result of the hormonal cascade that happens during orgasm I've also read that the opposite can be said regarding women, that when a woman orgasms, the hormonal cascade improves her well-being emotionally as well as physically. 
My question is, should men make the attempt to abstain from ejaculating on weekly or monthly or even yearly basis to better benefit his relationship with his significant other, as well as his health? And should women make an attempt to orgasm more to experience similar benefits? I have never heard of this, I have to tell you. I don't know where this information comes from. I can tell you that when men orgasm, there is a release of oxytocin, which is a bonding hormone. It's a positive thing. It is not a negative emotional state. It is a positive emotional state, generally speaking. Um, Same with women. But women don't need the orgasm to release the oxytocin. For them, the touch is uh, is enough. Being touched, hugged, all of that is enough. So, uh, and of course, orgasms are just generally uh, good physically for your health. You want the arousal, the blood flow to go to your genitals to keep uh, to keep it going, to keep those those uh, vessels functioning well to keep those muscles going well. So I don't, I don't know where this comes from. I don't know. I know anything about this hormonal cascade, uh, that, uh, that happens. So you'll have to send me some, uh, some links or something to, for me to have a look at that and see if it makes any sense, but it makes no sense to me right now from what I, uh, from what I know. 514-800, if you have any questions to ask me, I'm uh, happy to answer them tonight. Is it an accurate assessment that brushing one's teeth two hours pre and post oral sex is not wise, but the use of mouthwash is recommended instead and why? Uh, yes, it's true. So what happens when you brush your teeth? Many people are are pretty kind of rough or rigorous with their teeth brushing and you're brushing your gums. So it's very possible that you can cause some bleeding gums or you can cut yourself a little bit. And of course you're providing a a way for any virus to get into your bloodstream. Remember that the mouth is a, has a lot of mucous membranes in them. And this is where, uh, the, uh, the, the fluids and the infections they attach themselves to those mucous membranes. They go through those, uh, and that's the the environments that they look for. So, uh, and then that's how it gets into your bloodstream. So it is recommended that you do not brush your teeth if uh, you plan on having an exchange of fluid in your uh, in your mouth. So you are absolutely right. Mouthwash, good idea. That shouldn't have any impact at all. Gary Wood says, I'd love to attend your 20th, been a longtime listener and contributor and would love to meet the good doctor and crew. That's from Gary. Thank you, Gary. Uh, we'll put your name into the draw for tonight, of course. 514-800, if you would like to go, you can send me a message here at 514-800. You can send me a message through Facebook on my Facebook page at uh, Dr. Lori Betito, B-E-T-I-T-O is how you spell my last name. Uh, let's see. I'm a 24 year old virgin, but my boyfriend is not. He has had multiple sexual partners. He always had protected sex and told me he was always very conscious of making sure that the condom never broke, etc. We haven't had intercourse yet, but he asked me if I'd like to give him oral sex a few nights ago. 
I asked him if he had ever gotten tested and he told me he had not. I said it's definitely something he's going to do he said it's definitely something he's going to do before we have intercourse. However, he also told me that he's convinced he doesn't have anything because the last time he had sex was in May and he hasn't had any symptoms. It was always protected and that he didn't see any harm in having oral sex. I still didn't want to go ahead with it because I f- I'll feel better knowing he's been tested. Am I taking this too seriously? He told me that no partner ever asked him that before. Seeing as how this is my first time, I'm really not sure. First of all, I applaud you for being conscientious and caring about your health. And I think absolutely you should ask him to get tested. And when you're with a partner, any new partner, both people should get tested. That should be a regular thing. A minimum of once a year, uh, you should get STI testing. So it, the the harm won't be to him. You perform oral sex on him, he's less likely to get anything. But if he's got something, you can get it. And let's remember, there are some STIs that like HPV, herpes, that are can be asymptomatic. So the person may not show symptoms and may still pass it on. And they're skin to skin um, infections rather than, so they can't be protected from w- with a condom necessarily. So yes, I think you're perfectly in your right to say, hey, I'd like you to get tested and that that's, uh, that's perfectly fine. From the pleasure and the politics to the hangups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. As a marriage therapist, I often, often see couples where one person of the couple has ADHD. Sometimes they don't know it. Sometimes it gets diagnosed right in uh, in the office. But one thing is certain, uh, they come to me because they are having difficulty. And often the difficulties uh, can be traced back to uh, dealing with the ADHD. Now, not much has been written or studied uh, about adult ADHD and relationships, but one man has taken this uh, this task and this challenge, because it is a challenge. Uh, Ari Tuckman is my guest. He wrote the book, ADHD After Dark, Better Sex Life, Better Relationship. Ari, welcome to the show. I'm so psyched to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm thrilled that you're here. This is an important topic. This is one close to my heart. This is something that I deal with on a on a daily basis with uh, with clients. But uh, we don't talk much about the impact on a couple's sex life, the ADHD. Right. It's true. So the sort of the line that I have on this is that how ADHD impacts a couple's sex life that nobody is talking about. And the nobody, meaning the people who write books, the people who stand in the front of rooms and present, but every single couple is talking about it. So so I'm glad that we are here now on the radio talking about it as well. Uh, And we'll talk about over the the course of the the next little while, um, all the different areas that it impacts, because I do see different things, like in, in terms of desire, sometimes in terms of addiction, um, you know, anxiety that leads to certain types of behaviors. But I want to hear about your study because this book is based on you gathering some data. Right. So, you know, 
over the course of the last 20 years of specializing in ADHD, I've become kind of increasingly interested in how it impacts couples, relationships, and then their sex lives. And I wanted to write this book, but there was nothing out there on it. There wasn't other people who'd written books before, and there certainly wasn't any research on it. So I decided before I write the book, let me do the research. Let's see what people actually have to say. So to do that, I put together a 72-question survey, which incidentally is way too many questions to do in an online survey. Um, Especially but, if you have ADHD. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and you're not getting paid to do it either, right? right. So this is like terrible judgment. But <laughs> thankfully, um, the topic was of sufficient interest that more than 3,000 people filled it out. And that then, you know, 72 questions times 3,000 people gives me a humongous data source that I can do all sorts of really interesting analysis with. Um, The people who filled it out, I should say, are folks who are in a a relationship, in a couple, where one person has ADHD and one person doesn't. Right. So kind of mixed couples, so to speak. Right. And, you know, in the analysis, obviously I compared folks with ADHD versus folks without But since gender is such a big determinant on so many of these things, I always sort of separated out gender. So it was men with ADHD versus men without, women with ADHD versus women without. So I never just sort of lumped the two genders together. Right, right. Uh, And what were, anything surprising that came out of that for you? You know, there were a number. So on the one hand, there are a lot of things that sort of fit what I expected. So that's probably a good sign. But thankfully, there actually were some surprising things, which I was actually very happy to see, because if your research just confirms what you thought before, you probably didn't have to do it. So um, the thing that really surprised me the most was that, you know, before the survey, the kind of common advice that I would give that some other people would give is just as folks with ADHD can have trouble with distractibility and maybe impulse control or delay of gratification in other walks of life, perhaps then that also takes place during sexual encounters and maybe a little bit of stimulant medication would be helpful. There. Right. You know, kind of obvious advice. Felt good saying it. I did the, re- so in the survey, I actually asked the question, you know, um, to the extent that stimulant medication is active during sexual encounters, what effect do you feel that it has? And half the people, 47%, said no effect, positive or negative. Mm-hmm. And then the remainder came out entirely evenly split between, you know, a small positive effect, small negative, moderate positive, moderate negative, large positive, large negative. So basically, if you do the average, it comes out to like exactly zero, like it has zero effect. Um, So the medication has zero effect on sexual functioning is what you're saying. Right. That it doesn't make for better sexual encounter. Right. Um, Now, if you are in that, you know, 5% for whom it has a large positive effect and certainly do it, you know, obviously, but overall, we cannot make that recommendation. Mm -hmm. So. I think that where medication does have the, the, a positive effect is not during the sexual encounter itself, but is getting the couple to a point of having enough time to have sex and feeling good enough about each other that they actually want to have sex with each other. Right. And so also, I think there's a lot of benefits in medication, just right. not during the sexual encounter. And also focusing on each other. I remember uh, um, a couple that I worked with where uh, 
uh, he was taking medication to be able to function at work and he did great on the medication, but the, mm -hmm. the medication would have worn off by the time he got home yeah. and he was just too spent, exhausted and had no energy even to hold a conversation. And when we suggested that he take a shorter acting medication, when he did get home, it changed the whole dynamic. Yeah. And, he and was, I, I could totally see that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but I also sometimes see the opposite, that someone without medication, with ADHD, who could benefit from medication, winds up spending longer at work because they're less efficient about how they use their time. Right. So they get home later, or by the time they get home, they've been like white knuckling it all day to get everything done, that then they don't have anything left for their partner. And that right. taking the medication in the morning that helps you through the work day makes things better at night, which then benefits the relationship and benefits your sex life. Right, right. Yeah, and you have to see how each, how each person responds to the medication, of course. that That's what makes yep. that such a difference. I, I want to talk about uh, the things that I see often in my office, and th that includes performance problems like distractibility, losing erections because of distractibility and I see this especially as um, people get older like men uh, get older and so they take requires a little more focus on your mm -hmm. sensations uh, what did you find re with regards to performance problems so you know out of all 72 questions I didn't have I didn't have the guts to put in more <laughs> questions <laughs> Um, so unfortunately, I didn't have any that asked specifically about performance problems like that. Okay. But, but, it to but it totally makes sense because, you know, for any guy, as they get older, the ability to sort of create and maintain a satisfying erection gets harder. Like it takes more work um, to do that. Right. And if you're tending to get distracted during a sexual encounter, that'll absolutely then show up in the quality of your erection, perhaps. So, um, so I think it, but it doesn't have to be a problem by any means. It just means that you as an individual need to sort of be more clear about what the sexual encounter entails, what the success look like. It means as a couple, you have to work together a little bit better so that you're both having a good time and everything is, is going well and that nobody's ego is too much on the line, right. um, you know, tied to how much the erection defies gravity. Also, I think it's so important that, that your book exists and other books that, that work deal with ADHD because we need that understanding instead of thinking there it's something else, right? So, so maybe right. your partner has, uh, is having a difficult time getting their erection and the partner takes it personally. You're not attracted to me or this is mm -hmm. something else. But when we know that there is ADHD in the partner, it can explain many things and it, it can make the other person that much more compassionate and yeah. and maybe patient and more supportive of trying to find a solution together. So I think that's uh, yeah. that's really important. 
My guest tonight well, is, is Ari Tuckman. He wrote the book ADHD After Dark, just released, Better Sex Life, Better Relationship. I'd love to hear from some of our listeners at 514-800. If uh, you have a partner who has ADHD, or maybe you do, what have been some of your challenges in your relationship and specifically in the bedroom? Have you thought about that? Has it affected anything in the bedroom? Maybe performance problems, maybe premature ejaculation. That's another thing that I see quite often. Maybe uh, overuse of porn. Any of those things are related. And coming up, uh, we'll continue our conversation with Ari Tuckman and talk about uh, pornography especially. with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. First, I must apologize to our listeners for not uh, actually saying what ADHD stands for. Some people do not know, as I got a couple of texts here asking me. Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADD, Attention Deficit Disorder. That's what we're talking about tonight, but specifically its impact on relationships and sexuality. My guest is uh, sex therapist Ari Tuckman, who's a specialist in ADHD and a sex therapist, and has written the first book, really, on this uh, on this subject and has done one of the largest research that I know of in this uh, in this area as well. The book is called ADHD After Dark, Better Sex Life, Better Relationship. Uh, so let's look at the different, if we can, the different sexual issues that are more likely to come up when one person has ADHD. What did you find, Ari? So I think the biggest one that I found is which makes sense because it's sort of the biggest in general, is that of desire discrepancy. Right. And what that means is what it sounds like, that the two partners have too big of a difference in terms of their desired sexual frequency. And what I found was um, that those with ADHD tended to have greater sexual eagerness, as I called it, compared to those without ADHD. Mm-hmm. So. Um, in other words, they had they rated themselves higher in terms of things like desired sexual frequency, masturbation frequency, porn use frequency, how they felt about their own and their partner's porn use, kinkiness, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so what that means then, and also incidentally, men rated themselves generally higher than women on that. Even so the even the women was, with ADHD, uh, Ari. How did the well, women so, with ADHD fare in that? Right. And you're going exactly where I'm going with this. So uh, you're, you're calling it here. So <laughs> when the woman has ADHD, there's, she's more similar sexually to the non-ADHD male partner mm-hmm. compared to when the man has ADHD and the woman doesn't. So the, those couples, um, there's an even greater difference between them. So there's already a difference in, you know, based on gender, gender. right? but then, ADHD makes that difference even greater. So it creates a situation then where there's just sort of like there's a bigger distance between them that they need to find a way across. Mm -hmm. And obviously this is group averages and there's always exceptions and there's lots of relationships where the woman has a higher sex drive than the man, but you know, at the level of group averages. So, so this then creates a situation where um, the, the guy often with ADHD who has this kind of higher sexual eagerness 
is often feeling like his sexual needs are not being met. Right. And, you know, because his female partner is not as interested as he would like her to be. But, you know, also the woman is not feeling like her sexual or, or relationship needs are being met either. Right. And, you know, I think this becomes just part of the fallout of the sort of tug of war dynamics that can develop. Um, particularly when the man has ADHD, where the woman feels like she needs to be too often the responsible one. Exactly. And the guy too often feels like he can never get it right. She's always going to be unhappy. There's always going to be a problem. And then it, you know, it just sort of goes from bad to worse at that point. You're, so uh, yeah. what, it, Sorry, what it means it's... then is that if they're not connecting sexually, then they have even more things to be unhappy about. Right. But it's a, uh, oftentimes which came first, the chicken or the egg? Because I see yeah. uh, oftentimes the when it's the uh, male who has ADHD and the females complaining. Uh, you know, I hear things like, "I feel like I have another kid in the house." I, yeah. uh, you know, and of course, how are you going to have sexual desire when you perceive your partner to be childlike and and needing yeah. that kind of attention? Uh, and so, and resentments that build, and oftentimes before they even know that there is a, a diagnosis, like before they're even diagnosed, sometimes yeah. I'll come into my office and it's me who does the diagnosis, but, um, <laughs> you know, and, and so they don't even know that this is due to some difference in the brain. Uh, and so they've built up sometimes years of resentment. And so they don't want to have sex anymore. Yeah. And that, you know, and that's the whole point of why I did this survey and why I wrote the book is that, you know, sex, sex is such a double-edged sword. And on the one hand, it can be such a phenomenal connector mm-hmm. in couples. It can be that thing that holds us together and makes us feel good about each other as we deal with the annoying, mundane <laughs> grind of daily life. Right. Um, you know, and that's really important and powerful. And we've been ignoring that as a point of intervention. And yet, if it's in yet another place where the couple's unhappy with each other, it's just like salt in the wound. It makes a bad situation worse. Exactly. Um, and that parent-child dynamic is, is the worst of it. Like, that's a total sex killer because, you know, like for most, most of us, there's a whole lot of biology at work that causes us to feel not sexually interested in people that we feel parental towards. Exactly. You know? It's exactly so that's, that's evolution working well. Um, so when it occurs in a relationship, you know, the partner who feels resentful and over-responsible doesn't want to have sex. But probably the person who is always being criticized and nagged at, they're not feeling that sexy either. That's you know, true. So like at mm-hmm. that point, neither one of them wants to touch the other. Right. Although they may have the, the sexual desire, just maybe not for their partner but they it's still there right and then and it builds this uh and then of course now we can go move on to talk about pornography because sometimes when couples get into this funk one person turns to pornography and self-pleasure uh to be able to satisfy their needs but how often does that get out of hand right and that's so that's exactly the thing is that porn or more broadly masturbation is a really easy path of least resistance. So rather than wrangling through the painful, complicated, difficult issues between you and your partner, um, it's much easier to just take care of things on your own. And that's absolutely true that it's, it's easier. 
It's not as satisfying. It doesn't sustain the relationship in a positive way. But, you know, it's, it's certainly easier. But I think equally easier is for the other partner, and I'm just going to go with the generic genders here, mm-hmm. but, you know, if it's a guy looking at a lot of porn and, you know, it's easy for the wife to say, well, forget our sex life. I'm not going to bother making moves on him. You know, all he wants is his porn, mm. and that's it. You know, that's her, her sort of pop out. So right. he's got his and she's got hers. It takes two people to not talk about something. That's so, quite um, true. This is Passion on CJD 800. Tonight we're talking about attention deficit disorder, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder in adults and its impact on relationships and more specifically a couple's sex life with Ari Tuckman who just released a book called ADHD After Dark, Better Sex Life, Better Relationship. Ari, you were talking about um, how couples get into this no sex pattern. You were talking about a U-shaped mm-hmm. pattern. Can you continue? Yeah. So there's... An interesting U-shaped curve when I looked at how satisfied people were with their sex life and how much porn they looked at. And the people who were the least satisfied and the people who were the most satisfied actually looked at the most porn. Mm. So in other words, for some people, porn is an escape from an otherwise unsatisfying sex life. But for other people, it is a, sort of the cherry on top of something that's already very good. Right. So, you know, porn is one of those things that it's it's not good or bad. It's all in how you use it. Exactly. And if it's a problem in your relationship, then you got to talk about it. Right. It's so interesting. Oftentimes when I see um, people who suffer from some, you know, uh, compulsive sexuality or compulsive porn use, uh, I will recognize signs of ADHD there as well. You know, uh, I just saw one you know, today and he was like, Oh, I got ADHD too, <laughs> and I see the yeah. link, so I don't know if that's actually been even studied in depth to see if there's a link between addiction and ADHD, or addiction in general. Yeah. Have you? Do you know anything about that? I mean, there's absolutely, in terms of drugs and alcohol, there's absolutely a connection between ADHD, especially untreated, and you know problematic substance use Um, i'm not aware specifically of research that shows with problematic porn use but what i did find is that my guys with adhd in the survey um looked at more porn and masturbated more often than the non-adhd guys okay so you know i think there is it now that doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing it problematically but you know right. some of them are cuz some of everybody does everything problematically. Right. Well I would assume if there's a higher number of or higher likelihood of addiction then sex addiction would just be part of that that picture as well. Yeah, and it's just sort of using it in sort of problematic ways as a way to treat anxiety or depression or loneliness exactly. or as an escape from, you know, the troubles in their relationship or whatever. So, um, but, you know, you'd asked a question before the break about describing what is, what does ADHD in adults look like? So, um, so despite the fact that there's an H in ADHD, meaning hyperactivity, most adults with ADHD tend not to be particularly hyperactive, even if they used to be hyperactive as a kid. So number one, do not look for hyperactivity in adults. But where it shows up really is more in terms of 
distractibility, particularly when something is boring, and yet flip side, um, maybe some hyper-focus, getting kind of overly locked in, overly lost in interesting tasks and losing track of time in the process. Um, trouble with time management, sort of using time inefficiently because of these distractions, running late, disorganization, losing things, procrastination. So it's all of that kind of together. A little bit of one or a little bit of the other does not make a diagnosis of ADHD, but when you put enough of it together. And, you know, we know from lots and lots of research that ADHD impacts all aspects of a person's life not just grades at school and not just performance at work, but also relationships, also things like health maintenance activities, um, blood cholesterol levels, credit scores, you know, all sorts of different ways ADHD impacts a person's life. So if you think there might be some ADHD in you or in a person you care about, it's definitely worth getting a look at and definitely worth beginning to treat it because it tends to respond quite well to treatment. I have to say, I agree with you that it responds really well when a couple, when a a person can do the work together, especially because it does impact uh, relationships, which of course, sometimes, you know, the people who are now, let's say in their forties or fifties who were kids didn't necessarily get the diagnosis early. So they're, you know, not knowing that they know something's not right or, or they know they have difficulties in specific areas, but there's no name for it or they've ne- it's never been named. Um, and, right. you know, and I mean, then they end I, up in therapy anyway because their relationships are falling apart. Yeah. I mean, I had a guy in my office this evening, two hours ago, who, 49 years old, has been treated for anxiety and depression for a number, you know, for years and years. ADHD was never spoken, and yet his girlfriend dragged him in, and as we went through the details, wasn't that hard to see if you know what you're looking for, (laughs) but of course, you can't find what you don't look for. That's right. um, You know, the fact that somebody has not been diagnosed before does not mean they don't have it now. Exactly, exactly, and I think it's important just to be aware. Well, we've run out of time, Ari. Thank you so much. If people want to get more information about the book, where do we send them? So probably the best place is to go to my website, adultadhdbook.com, as well as, you know, all the other places that people sell books these days. <laughs> all right. Thank you is so there one, much. more than one place? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's great. Adultadhdbook.com. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us and sharing your expertise with us. Really appreciate it, and I can't wait to be able to refer uh, that book to my clients who desperately, uh, some really need this information. So thank you. Thanks for writing it. Thank you. All right, you take care. Uh, That's Ari Tuckman, the book, ADHD After Dark. Our winners tonight, Domenico and Gary, you will be coming to our party we celebrate 20 years on the air it's a live broadcast in front of a studio audience it's on the 23rd we'll be in touch with you so don't worry uh it's going to be a really fun night and i just want to take this opportunity to thank some of our sponsors cook and date pop and balloons le delice la Frenet, capino private trainer lauren huberman 360 punch restaurants of vivaldi del frisco's otavio's our sex toy sponsors 
uh, Shunga products, Wevi, Baneros, um, and there's you know more and more people to thank. Uh, but uh, thank you so much. That's all I can say is you're making going to make this party a really big uh, success, and I can't wait to meet our listeners. That is uh, the most fun for me is when I get to actually interact with the people that I can't see uh, every night, right? Thank you guys for uh, listening, for spending your time with me, for keeping me on the air for 20 years. I really, uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Thanks to our technical producer, Aaron Lakoff, as well. Uh, you can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito. You can go to my website, drlori.com, as well. Uh, coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a wonderful rest of the evening, and remember to live your life with passion.